Over the past several years, we have seen the left advocate for and demand censorship of social media for things like hate speech. Now with the latest emergency, the coronavirus pandemic, we're seeing them once again demand censorship. This time they're praising China and calling for Chinese style censorship. I'm not exaggerating. They literally are doing this. I'll show you the article. Now, of course, not literally every single person on the left, but it does tend to be a left wing position to demand that information be removed or censored. And this is extremely dangerous. The first big breaking story, YouTube deletes conspiracy theorist David Icke's channel. David, David Icke is very famous. They deleted him because they said he was spreading disinformation on the coronavirus and 5G 5G technology. And while I'm not a big fan of the guy, and to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about him, this is just another example of major channels being purged for spreading what is called the unapproved information or what's not in line with the approved truth. Just about a week ago, YouTube deleted a video that went viral with 5 million plus views of two emergency room doctors saying, based on their data, the lockdowns are dangerous and essentially we need to reopen things. Many people on the left argued that this was poor moderation on YouTube's part. The video should never have been allowed in the first place and must be deleted, which is strange because ER doctors are experts and journalists aren't. These journalists and people on the left are not advocating for sound information. They're advocating for a top-down authority to control what we are allowed to know. In an article for The Atlantic, they wrote, internet speech will never go back to normal, saying China was largely correct and the US was wrong. In the debate over freedom versus control over the global network, they're actually saying that China a country that locks up dissidents and puts them in re-education camps and disappears people was the right way to do things. Over the past several months, we have been inundated with faulty and contradictory information. Masks don't work. Don't wear masks. Yes, wear masks. Don't wear masks. Back and forth. The World Health Organization pushing false information, saying that there was no human to human transmission. There is no approved truth. There is no one group that gets it right. But as the left continues to demand Chinese style censorship, and the more we see it implemented, the more at risk we will be. As of now, we are are learning a leaked intelligence document from Western intelligence uh, is claiming that the World Health Organization was pushing lies. Yet YouTube has said recently, that anyone who goes against the World Health Organization's recommendations will be, well, they'll have their channel removed or they'll be in violation of community guidelines. Even though Western intelligence is saying the World Health Organization is wrong, people like me, independent content content creators, and regular old people on Facebook are being censored for talking about their ideas. Now, I certainly think some of these ideas are really ridiculous, notably the 5G theory about you know, how it causes coronavirus, because there are many countries with coronavirus that don't have 5G technology. It doesn't seem to make sense. But the World Health Organization pushing lies from China also doesn't make sense. The best way to deal with this is, I guess, sunlight, the best disinfectant, figuratively and literally. Now, I understand there are real challenges, right? There are a lot of people who have crazy ideas saying crazy things, but you can't police speech because no one knows exactly what's going on right now. We are facing a real crisis. And as we know, based on history, looking back at major historical events and tragedies, the news immediately coming out often is wrong. 
And because of this, we see conspiracy theories emerge over time. Information changes. If you're going to start banning people based on your preliminary findings, you will find that eventually there's no one left on your platform. The joke goes that the age of YouTube is over. It's now ThemTube, and only the approved channels, verified channels, and the approved truth will ever be allowed. Let's take a look first at what happened with David Icke. Again, not a big fan of the guy. Don't know a whole lot about him, but he just got purged. And it was only in the past few months we saw a bunch of other channels be stripped from the YouTube partner program. Dare I say, it's only a matter of time before I get the axe as well. Let's read these stories. And I want to show you quite literally, there are leftists calling for Chinese style censorship. I want to show you the real, the real ramifications of this. Before we get started, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are several ways you can give, but the best thing you can do, share this video. And I really do mean it. YouTube is propping up what they call authoritative sources. They're actually mocking independent creators and people like myself as people in their basements who don't know what they're talking about. So they, pr- they, they put pressure on channels like mine. So they are hurt in the YouTube algorithm. And eventually, my channel and many, many others like it will cease to exist. I mean, they're straight up deleting other people. Now, I certainly think I'm different from many other channels for a lot of reasons. But yeah, how long until they say only approved corporate media? You can help overcome this by sharing this video if you think I do a good job. If you just want to watch, then make sure to hit the subscribe button, the like button and the notification bell. And maybe YouTube would actually recommend my content. I mean it. They, they probably still won't. But here's the big breaking news. YouTube deletes conspiracy theorist David Icke's channel. The video sharing site said the 68-year-old violated its policies on sharing information about coronavirus. The former footballer has made controversial, unproven claims about the virus on several internet platforms. The video service, which is owned by Google, told the BBC, YouTube has clear policies prohibiting any content that disputes the existence and transmission of COVID-19 as described by the World Health Organization and the NHS. How interesting. If it disputes the existence and and transmission, as described by the World Health Organization. I bring you now to information from a leaked Western intelligence dossier. If you follow my content, you already know about this. The file, similarly unsparing about the World Health Organization, stating that it towed the Chinese line about human-to-human transmission, despite the fact that officials in Taiwan raised concerns as early as December 31st, as did experts in Hong Kong on January 4th. As of Friday night, the World Health Organization's official Twitter account still featured a tweet from January 14th that stated, preliminary investigations conducted by the Chinese authorities would have found no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission of the novel coronavirus identified in Wuhan, China. You mean to tell me, YouTube, that if I side with Western intelligence organizations from numerous countries as to the assessment of the trustworthiness of the World Health Organization, you will remove my channel and delete my content? Welcome to the new reality that China can lie. The World Health Organization will push those lies and YouTube agrees that when leftists in media call for Chinese-style censorship, YouTube agrees. How long until they delete my channel? Take a look at this article from April 25th. Internet speech will never go back to normal. In the debate over freedom versus control of the global network, China was largely correct and the US was wrong. They say American tech, uh, COVID-19 has emboldened American tech platforms to emerge from their defensive crouch before the pandemic. 
They were targets of public outrage over life under their dominion. Today, the platforms are proudly collaborating with one another and following government guidance to censor harmful information related to the coronavirus. The World Health Organization is not the U.S. government. They receive funding from us, but no, they're not following the government guidance. They say, and they're using their prodigious data collection capacities in coordination with federal and state governments to improve contact tracing, quarantine enforcement, and other health measures. As Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg recently boasted, the world has faced pandemics before, but this time we have a new superpower, the ability to gather and share data for good. The other big thing that's been happening is that Facebook has been removing calls for protest because they violate government orders on social distancing, even though the Constitution, the law of this land, prohibits the government from infringing our right to peaceably assemble, speak, or worship. These governments that are enforcing these orders are in violation of the U.S. Constitution. They are not allowed to do these things or to tell someone they can't protest. And in fact, the Attorney General Bill Barr has said the Constitution is not suspended. So what gives Facebook the right to start purging people who are acting lawfully when Facebook then comes out and says, oh, no, they're acting unlawfully? Well, it's because Facebook is a private platform. These same leftists who have argued that hate speech is the justification for censorship have now shifted the argument and said it's personal safety. It seems no matter what happens, these people will always be in favor of suspending your civil rights. I'm not talking about private platforms right now. Oh, I get it. I think people should be allowed to speak freely on social media. And we've got some interesting court cases coming up. We'll see how things play out. I'm talking about the right to peaceably assemble. Right, we're, taught, we're, we're looking at here at private companies like YouTube and Facebook, which of course dominate media, which control what we can say, what we can see, and now what we can say. They called it YouTube because it's the dominant platform where we share videos. Well, now because it's a private company, they'll suspend anybody. But what about the protests themselves? Who gives these governors the right to shut down the First Amendment? No one. They can't. We have a constitution. These private companies are using this as an excuse. But as I mentioned, there were two doctors who had their videos removed. I bring it now to the other, the other question of expertise, the World Health Organization, who was wrong. And now we see journalists calling for this Chinese style censorship. And then this from Vice, a video of California doctors stoking conspiracies should never have gone viral. YouTube deleted a video of Dr. Erickson and Masihi after getting torched by the media, which is only making things worse. Who's the expert on medical health, a doctor or the media? Why would YouTube take the advice of the media and not two emergency room doctors who actually have degrees and are licensed to practice medicine? Perhaps it's because of an ideological reason and also a marketing reason. YouTube bends the knee to the media because they don't want to lose advertisers. So when the media comes out and says, we need more Chinese style censorship, YouTube goes, you got it, buddy, whatever you say, so you don't insult me. And then we'll put you on the front page and prop you up. So let me show you something. Let me ask you a question. Internet speech will never go back to normal. China was largely correct. Is that what you think, Jack Goldsmith and Andrew Keen Woods? Let me show you what China was doing from CNN. May 1st, Chinese journalist jailed for 15 years for vilifying the Communist Party and government. Is that what you think they got right? 
Vice wrote a story, interestingly enough, about a journalist who was talking about what was really happening with the coronavirus, who was disappeared for about a month and then came back singing the praises of the government, bent the knee, lying and causing us harm. It's the craziest thing to me. People are dying right now. And these journalists are actually arguing for disinformation. They're arguing in favor of known liars. Perhaps it's because what they really want is authoritarianism. Now, listen, YouTube has been purging these channels. And when I made the joke about YouTube, YouTube being now them tube, I, I, I know it's a joke, but it's actually true. I mean, there will come a time when my channel will be completely purged. YouTube is not trying to be a platform for anyone to speak up. I mean, look at it this way. When was the last time you saw a viral video from YouTube? This is a point I saw on Twitter. I can't remember who said it. So forgive me for not giving you credit. But they mentioned videos are going viral on TikTok, a Chinese platform. In fact, they, TikTok didn't want to censor people who were engaging in hate speech. They wanted to censor the people who are the targets of it because they wanted to maintain more users. It's a complete inversion of what's actually happening here in the U.S. But now we see this story from Newsbusters. YouTube top official mocks content creators in their basement. That's right. They say that in an interview, uh, let me read it for you. Every YouTube employee should get down on their knees and thank the video creators mostly working from home for making that site an enormous success. Over the years, instead, the attitude emanating from, you, from YouTube's recently, from YouTube recently has been one of denigration and mockery of those same creators in favor of promoting mainstream media channels, despite the fact that YouTube has grown primarily because viewers wanted an alternative to the mainstream media output. The latest example of a YouTube official sneering the very creators who brought them into, uh, to the table of success comes in the form of YouTube chief product officer Neil Mohan mocking the people who made his big salary possible as espousing their opinions in their basement. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend like this guy is trying to insult people directly. He's trying to make a point about what he deems to be credible and what is not credible. And so he says people making things in their basement are not authoritative. Therefore, they will prop up who everyone knows and can respect. Yet CNN recently ran a fake segment where Chris Cuomo pretended to emerge from quarantine. It's just not true. According to his story, he was in his own backyard. But no, he admitted it. He got into a confrontation with some guy riding his bike 30 minutes from his house. That's who the authoritative source is. I'm sorry, that's a lie. Why would YouTube then prop them up? Because YouTube is scared of the media power. Over the past several years, we have seen an emergence of several adpocalypses, as they're called. For those that aren't familiar, this was when mainstream media outlets smeared YouTube, causing major advertisers, you know, like Coke and Pepsi. I don't know if them specifically, but just an example. It caused major advertisers to pull out and YouTube was at risk of losing a ton of money. YouTube then decided they will just prop up the media because they can make money off that too. While YouTube does compete with CNN, they figured why? Well, if you can't beat them, join them. Put CNN on the front page. We get the views regardless. And then CNN makes us look good and we can sell ads for more money. Some channels get benefits. My channel certainly has more privilege and more benefits because I tend to be a milk toast, you know, kind of, kind of individual. I'm not coming out with crazy conspiracy theories or anything like that. So I actually get a lot of benefits, but I am an advocate for free speech and I am deeply concerned that when you start censoring smaller channels, you eventually hide the truth and you end up pushing Chinese communist propaganda for ideological reasons. 
Take a look at this story from Reason, how China corrupted the World Health Organization's response to COVID-19. We also see that David Icke being banned from uh, YouTube was also banned from Facebook. I, I bring this up just to say that it actually is more than just YouTube. Over at the Hill, we have Jonathan Turley, who is a constitutional scholar uh, writing the dangerous liberal ideas for censorship in the United States. This one I highlight specifically to show you it's not conservatives that are calling for overt censorship. In fact, conservatives are calling for a relaxing of speech, and they have. It was a year ago I went on the Joe Rogan podcast with Jack Dorsey and Vijaya Gade talking about how they were wrong to censor ideas. Yet for some reason, the left consistently finds an excuse to try and suppress information. I don't know why. It's not about hate speech. It's not about COVID. I, I think it's more about power. They want to be able to control the conversation so they can win elections and maintain power and shape things the way they want. Amid this pandemic, we heard from Rep Clyborne telling Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat, that now is our chance to shape things in our vision. That seems to be the goal. Does it mean every single person on the left? No, it just means enough of them are willing to enact malicious, uh, to, they're, they're willing to act malicious, maliciously to get what they want. In the article from Jonathan Turley, he brings up the doctors that were removed. Let me uh, just read a little bit right here. He says, YouTube uh, did, well, let me back up. Many of us in the free speech community have warned of the growing insatiable appetite for censoring in the West. We have been losing the fight and free speech opportunities are now capitalizing on free speech opponents are now capitalizing on the opportunity presented by the pandemic. Representative Adam Schiff sent a message to the heads of Google, Twitter, and YouTube demanding censorship of anything deemed misinformation and false information. YouTube did just that by removing two videos of California doctors who called for the easing of state lockdown orders. The doctors argued that the coronavirus is not as dangerous as suggested and that some deaths associated with the disease are actually not accurate. There is certainly ample reason to contest their views, but instead, YouTube banned the videos to keep others from reaching their own conclusions. Facebook will not only remove posts it considers misinformation about the coronavirus, but will issue warnings to those who like such postings. Facebook said that it wants to protect people from dangerous remedies and false data. Ironically, the World Health Organization praised Sweden for its rejection of the very restrictions criticized by the two doctors. The group declared that Sweden is a model country despite its rejection of lockdown measures, measures being protested in the United States. It doesn't seem to make sense. Nothing seems to make sense. It just seems to be whatever pushes their ideology. Sweden loves the leftist ideology, so everything they do is good. Donald Trump is the bad man, so everything he does is bad. Even though he called for travel restrictions, he was wrong. Then they later agreed and said he didn't go far enough. There is no right way to approach this. Do not let them take your rights. Unfortunately, it's going to keep happening and will only get worse. In September of last year, more than 17,000 YouTube channels removed since new hateful content policy implemented. Now they're implementing misinformation policies, and they're starting to purge more and more channels for pushing misinformation. Yes, it will only be a matter of time until my channel is completely removed because I've been calling Democrats liars. And I mean it. The media and the Democrats are in alignment. Adam Schiff banned the misinformation, he says. Yet what, they trust the World Health Organization, who has been lying? Even mainstream outlets and Western intelligence have been calling them out. 
But I want to show you a couple things as I, as I wrap this up uh, on the back end. We have this story from Vox. Minutes after pledging not to lie, the new White House press secretary lied a whole bunch. Kaylee McKenney's first press briefing got off to a promising start. It lasted all of 15 minutes by Aaron Rupar of Vox. I'm highlighting this to show you the partisan nature of what truth and misinformation really is. Because I will tell you this, in fact, Aaron Rupar of Vox is lying in his story. It's funny. He's lying about the press secretary lying. What he's really doing is giving you his opinion and trying to pass it off as fact. This is why it's so dangerous to remove information and censor people, because it will come back to haunt you when you do this. But these people like the idea of a government authority controlling what they're allowed to think. So I guess they'll get what they want. Kaylee McEnany, sorry, that's her name, McEnany. I believe I'm pronouncing that right, said she wouldn't lie. Well, of course, he then lies by tweeting uh, by tweeting this. The salate quote, the salacious, awful and verifiably false allegations that were made against Justice Kavanaugh. McKennany just lied, breaking the promise she made not to just minutes ago. The allegations against Kavanaugh were not verifiably false. Aaron is lying. They were verifiably false. In fact, several of the allegations were recanted. McKennany didn't say literally every allegation. She said the salacious, awful, and verifiably false allegations that were made. She could be specifically referring to a few that were verifiably false and were were later determined to have been false. The the accusers recanted. One guy claimed Kavanaugh was on his boat, later came out and said, "Never never met the guy. It wasn't true. Aaron Rupar is falsely framing this to lie in order to claim she's lying. Now, I'm not going to say that Vox should be taken down. He should be allowed to say these things, even if he's lying. If it's slander defamation, you could come after him with a lawsuit. But it's his opinion. The only problem, Vox did not label the story as opinion. Now, here's where we go from here. Because of these verifiably false stories, like this opinion piece from Aaron Rupar, because people are having their videos deleted, and because we're being told to trust the World Health Organization, when the media said masks don't work, then masks do work, then masks don't work, but they do work for medical professionals. Now you need to go buy a mask. Now you have to wear a mask by state mandate. No one knows what to think when the media keeps doing this. So you know what? There's no way for me to actually figure out what I'm supposed to do. YouTube says you got to make sure you're not spreading this information. Well, the information has changed so much. I have no idea what information is legit and what isn't. So eventually they'll just delete me. I'm sure if you go back to one of my past videos where I said, hey, look, masks aren't as effective. You shouldn't use them. They're going to say Tim was lying and spreading this information, even though that's the information they told me to say. You see the game they're playing? They're putting me in a position where no matter what I do, I will eventually get deleted unless I go back and delete every other video. And I'll tell you the results of this. An interesting Twitter thread from journalist Jake Hanrahan I found fascinating. He said, something I'm noticing about the 5G coronavirus conspiracy theories is that quite a few of my mates from back home in the Midlands are taking them seriously. These are not stupid people. Our schools were awful and were uh, technically poorly educated, but they're not stupid. The problem I'm seeing is that they don't trust traditional media or find it so boring they don't engage in it. They don't trust it because it rarely represents them. And when it does, it paints a fairy tale image of what the working class is or it demonizes them when that elitist fairy tale is, is scuppered by the reality. So they're either seeing a pathetic Loach-esque homage to their way of life or are being called stupid and bigoted. There's rarely any in between. They turn to alternative media when they're not busy working for low wages, which is sadly often full of S and takes any guest statement at face value. 
Independent media is also very much indulging in alarmist attention baiting as traditional media does. I don't know what the answer is at all, but the reasons for people turning to conspiracy BS are not all because they're so stupid. In fact, that attitude just reinforces their faith in conspiracy outlets. No one wants to be laughed at. Despite all the showboating to the contrary, the media has a huge snobbery issue. Things like this really expose it. My point is, don't immediately write someone off as a bigot or a moron because they're currently indulging in moronic conspiracy theories. There's sadly a deep rooted reason for this. Try to engage with them if they're your friend. I found pointing out that it's insane to think every country on earth with 5G, many of them enemies to each other, would keep this secret. Obviously, one country would break ranks and use it to hurt the others. This has helped a bit. I know it's really effing dumb to believe 5G conspiracy theories, but not everyone who's doing so does it from a place of malice or total stupidity. The ultimate point and the best point he makes, in my opinion, is that as YouTube starts purging channels, channels that people trust, whether they're right or wrong, and propping up confirmed false information from the World Health Organization, you will lose trust in every institution. And that will make things worse. YouTube didn't have a bad, it wasn't the worst idea what YouTube initially did. When you would make a video about a controversial theory or something, they would put a link to some Wikipedia or article underneath you. Now that was propping up mainstream media. But hey, the best disinfectant is sunlight, right? So I don't completely oppose that. I think it's a silly idea, fine, whatever. But if you want to fight bad information with more information, so be it. I always tell people not to just watch my channel, watch other channels as well. But YouTube has taken it one step further. In response to calls from the left and the media for Chinese-style censorship, they are obliging and just taking down anyone they deem to run contrary to the official, confusing, and contradictory statements of the World Health Organization. Notably, two doctors who had their channels removed. Now, I don't know if those doctors are right or wrong. All I know is they're doctors and I'm not. But of course, it doesn't matter because media professionals apparently are the experts and YouTube will bend the knee. So uh, I'll just start counting down until my channel gets deleted. But until then, stick around if you want more content. I'll have more videos coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out and listening to this rant, and I will see you all in the next segment. Protests have erupted in at least 10 different states. People are coming out and demanding an end to this lockdown. They are demanding the economy economy be reopened. We are seeing the data from numerous studies showing that the mortality rate is much, much lower. Our projections were off. Now, it's still important to take social distancing seriously because we are seeing major hotspots in some areas. But of course, now we're at a point where people are saying enough is enough. Here's the thing. I don't think the protests, for the most part, matter. I mean that seriously. I'm not trying to disrespect the protesters, not at all. If you want to go out and protest for your freedoms, fight for your rights, 100%, I'm totally down. Be it an environmental activist blocking a street, you get arrested for it. But hey, I'm, I'm down for that. Or someone saying the quarantines are unconstitutional and coming out dem- uh, de- demanding their, their rights or demanding the government stop infringing their rights. I'm all about it, right? Well, these protests are great. I mean, you, you fight for what you want. The reality is, the quarantines, the lockdowns failing just because people don't care anymore. It's not the protesters that are that are putting pressure on the local governments. It's just every people are starting to ignore the lockdowns. So you have certain areas where they've re- reopened beaches, right? Immediately, people flooded the beaches in California and in Florida. And in responses in California, the governor is like, oh, we better lock things down again. And then protesters came out in Los Angeles. Traffic jams are back. 
people are just driving again. And we got a bunch of other stories. So uh, you're, you're probably familiar with all of these protests. We've, you know, I've covered them uh, in the past couple of days. But check this out. Now, this dude definitely crossed the line. Shocking moment. Man, 25 pushes Texas Ranger into a lake after he told a group of people illegally drinking and smoking at a park to social distance. All right, that's taking a little, things a little bit too far. I'm not going to try and pretend that this guy was like, I refused to quarantine and shoved him. It's just some young dude being stupid and shoving the ranger. But it adds, you know, a grain of sand to the heap of people just ignoring the, the lockdown order saying, you can't tell us what to do. One of the funny things about this is that we heard from the New York Times and MSNBC journalists, they've warned fascism could come to the US if the coronavirus shutdowns wreck the economy. I have never been more confident that we will not have fascism in this country. Now, look, I know we got really close. We've got, you know, major corporations censoring people. It is bad. But you know what, man? When, the, when they put too much pressure on the people, the dam breaks and people just stop caring. So for sure, I think we should be concerned about a rise of authoritarianism and fascism. But in the end, people are, people are snapping. They just don't care. So let me do this. Let me read you this story from Chicago first. We'll go back to the protests. Mayor Lightfoot threatens citations and jail time after police break up house parties across Chicago. That word is plural. People in Chicago don't care. Let, 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 me, let, let me get this straight. Or let, let me, let me, cl- let me uh, simplify. The governments of various areas are saying you must stay at home and people are just not even thinking about it. They don't care. They're caring on life as usual. According to this story from, from Mother Jones, Americans are tiring of COVID-19 lockdowns. I'm sorry, government, you have lost. Now, I'm not advocating for people to go and break these you know, rules. No, by no means. We should take them very, very seriously. But the point I'm trying to make is, in mass, people just don't care. It's not a protest. It's not in defiance, not anger. It's people just not caring. They said, stay home. People said, okay. And then after a couple of weeks, people were like, meh, I'm bored. I'm leaving. There's nothing you can do about it. So let's go back to these uh, protests, see what's going on. The Hill reports, demonstrators in at least 10 states across the country gathered on Friday to protest against stay-at-home orders and other emergency measures meant to blunt the coronavirus spread. The protests underscored how antsy some are getting to return to a sense of normalcy after the coronavirus, which has infected nearly 1.1 million people, shuttered businesses across an array of industries and pushed more than 30 million Americans into unemployment. Though some demonstrators were lightly attended, demonstrations occurred in state capitals and cities in California, Colorado, Delaware, Florida, Illinois, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Tennessee, and Washington. Here's what I want you to consider. Take a look at California, Colorado, Delaware, Illinois, New Jersey, New Mexico. These are blue states, New York. We're not seeing this in red states. You know why? Because the Republicans in many red states never implemented these orders. Now, here's the question I brought up yesterday. In South Dakota, the governor did not institute stay-at-home orders. No big outbreak, no escalating hotspots. Perhaps the stay-at-home orders were a mistake. Perhaps what we need is social distancing, but people should be outside. You know why? Sunlight is the best disinfectant. I mean, quite literally, sunlight, as my understanding, kills the virus. You can still get it outside, so be careful. And I think we, we, we have to do our best. Look, look, I'm not trying to, you know, I, I think definitely some of these, uh, like Governor Whitmer, for instance, has taken it too far. Some of these politicians have pushed too hard. I don't think it's a nefarious plot to like lock people in their homes or anything. I just think they didn't know. And now that we have the data coming in, we, we've got to follow the science. So what, what many people have said, many experts, is that if we maintain social distancing but spend more time outdoors, that actually reduces the, the, the infection rate. 
because you're, you're less likely to be in proximity to other people. Indoors, it's small and cramped. The Hill says, what does this one say? So much of the coverage of these reopen events makes them look big. Here's the reopen New York protest today. It's very tiny, mind you. Several protesters told local media that shutdown orders were imposing too great an economic burden. Okay, so, so this is what we, we, we know all this stuff, right? You know about the protests. They're not very big. And that's why I was saying, I don't think the protests matter all that much. I think what matters is this. Americans are tiring of COVID-19 lockdowns. A couple of weeks ago, this is from Mother Jones. A couple of weeks ago, I put up a chart based on data from Apple showing how often people asked their iPhones for driving directions. If you assume that this is a rough proxy for the amount of driving uh, people are doing, it shows us how seriously people are taking the lockdown orders. Here's what it looks like in about 30 American cities. It actually shows that in Cleveland, no, nobody cares. <laughs> like people in Cleveland. So uh, around March 12th, driving directions on iPhones dropped dramatically. And then on April 3rd, slowly started coming back up, Cleveland spiking the most. Yeah, it's because, look, protests or not, the government just doesn't have the ability to lock us down. Now you can threaten people. You can come up to people and yell at them. And what are they, what's going to happen? This dude's going to push you in a lake. That's what's happening. Everyone's getting particularly anti-fascist. As you can see, driving plunged considerably starting around March 12th, which makes sense. It hit bottom toward the end of the month and stayed there for a few days. But during the first week of April, it started to creep up again. It's gone up about 40% since then. The reason I checked on this is because I got some takeout for lunch on Friday. I noticed the streets and parking lots seemed fairly busy. Not pre-coronavirus uh, busy, but certainly busier than a couple of weeks ago. And so they are. Here's another piece of evidence. Safe graph shelter in place index. The chart shows the change and the number of people who are staying at home for each county, there's a baseline number and the bars show how much that's changed. Overall, it peaked around April 12th when nearly 20% more people were staying home than usual. But ever since then, it's been dropping. Now, many of you may know I recently drove across the entire country in a van and back in like 11 days, it took four days there, four days back. Uh, I was working on the way there and I was uh, stopping to do the Joe Rogan podcast. I drove for a few reasons, minimizing contact, right? The van is fully self-sustaining. It's got solar power. It's, it, it runs on its own juice. It's got a shower. It's got a bathroom in it. And so it was, I, I didn't want to fly because of the risk to myself and others. You know, we've, we've, we've got to take it seriously, I guess. And so I was like, you know what? We'll drive. It's, it's, it's safer. It's more reliable. And the only contact we make really is when we pump gas. Because for the most part, we didn't stop anywhere. But here's what we noticed on the way there. There were very strict rules in many of the gas stations saying you have to wear masks or you can't come in. To me, that was interesting. On the way back, much of these rules were gone. We took the exact same route. Now, there was uh, there, there's one difference. One of the towns we went, we drove past was completely locked down to all visitors. I believe that was Laguna, New Mexico. And then recently Gallup, New Mexico also locked down. But we drove from Philadelphia to Los Angeles. And on the way there, Every, every place we'd stop, it would be like, you can't come in without a mask. You can't come without a mask. Maintain social distancing. On the way back, just a week later, people weren't wearing masks anymore. The signs on the doors were taken down. Nobody was paying attention to social distancing. Nobody cared. And that was interesting. I tweeted about it. And I'm like, it seems like in just a week's time, it's not that it's like all of a sudden overnight, people stopped caring. It's just gradually people are caring less and less. I think the reason is you can't prove it to them. 
There's nothing you're going to say that's going to make them feel like they're, they're, they're being threatened because there's nothing happening around them. You can go on TV, you can go on the news, you can scream, you can ban YouTubers. But in the end, people are going to do what they think makes the most sense. Unless you like, I mean, and, and you can't pass laws blocking people from going outside. So it's just not going to work. Let's read a little bit more of this story because I mean, here's the hard data. Check this out. He says, I feel like I'm hardly one to talk since lockdown orders barely affect me at all. Still, these two charts suggest that Americans were able to comply with lockdowns for only about a month before they started to take them less and less seriously. Europeans mostly seem to have done better, even though their lockdowns were more severe. And our willingness to sacrifice for only a month speaks poorly for both our political system and our innate stores of self-discipline. Now, a mere few weeks after uh, weariness started to set in, we have this. Armed protesters demonstrate against COVID-19 lockdown at Michigan Capitol. I will argue the inverse. It doesn't show that we have poor self-discipline. It shows that we are a freedom-loving people. Think about how the, look, go back in time to the, the European colonial era. And you had people who were living in these big cities in Europe and didn't mind abiding by the rules and the laws. You then had pioneers and people willing to risk their lives trying to travel, you know, 3000 miles across the ocean, many of whom died to come to wilderness because they wanted freedom. They wanted to practice their own religion. They wanted opportunities. They wanted to stake out on their own. Now think about how that culture develops in Europe. You have a bunch of people who say, I'll just do what I'm supposed to do. And the people say, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to go find my own way. Developed a new country, the United States. So our roots, whether we realize it or not, grew, our, you know, the, the country grew from this mentality of I'm going to do what I want to do. Hence the constitution, the guarantees, our life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And Europe is very different. So it's no surprise to me when you, when you think about that, that Europe is much more socialized and the U.S. is much more individual or in individualized, whatever. We're not so much. I mean, we're a community. We have rules, we have laws, we have social customs and all that stuff. But we're much more about our individual liberties. We respect the individual much more than, you know, or, or we're more focused on the individual. So I wouldn't consider that a bad thing. I just say it's different. There are benefits to being heavily communal, like people will just lock down and do what the government says. That can help you in times of, times of an emergency. It also makes you susceptible to a failed state. Because communism, authoritarianism, fascism, these things do not work. They work in the short period until people snap and start ignoring you. Now, think about what happens when you have a freedom loving country. People just go out and do their thing and no one can do anything about it. Sure, you can threaten people. You can ticket people. Well, some dude's going to push you in a lake. In these other countries where they enforce these harsh lockdowns, people are scared to go out. And then finally they snap and you get a revolution. So I think this is actually a safeguard for us in a sense. It prevents a total collapse of our system, realizing that the government isn't that powerful. Here's what he, he, he goes on to write. These are among the folks that Donald Trump called good people. And I don't, I don't understand. Is, is he, what's, what's the point he's trying to make about people protesting who just needed to have a little something done for them? The truth is, of course, is that these are well-organized GOP protesters responding to Trump's own order to liberate blue states from Democratic governors. Even the simplest and most obvious responses to the pandemic have been turned into partisan battles. Let me stop you right there, buddy, and ask you a question. You're seeing smallish protests. Now, in Huntington Beach, it was thousands of people. And you're arguing these are, you know, Trump's call to whatever. Oh, I'm sorry. Is everyone who's ignoring the order, which you recognized, Mr. Mother Jones, you are pointing out people are ignoring this. Is that because of Trump? 
No, come on, calm down. The people who are coming out and are angry and the people who are protesting are doing it because they legitimately do not like these harsh orders. It's plain to see. Even in, here's what he writes. Even in the simplest and most obvious response to the pandemic have been turned into partisan battles. For progressives, masks have become a sign that you take the pandemic seriously and are willing to make a personal sacrifice to save lives. Prominent people who don't wear them are shamed and dragged on Twitter by, uh, by lefty accounts. On the right, where the mask is often seen as the symbol of a purported overreaction to the coronavirus, mask promotion is a target of ridicule, a sign that is deeply polarized Amer- uh, in America. A sign that in a deeply polarized America, almost anything can be politicized and turned into a token of tribal affiliation. Now, that's a bit extreme. I have seen some stupid hot takes from conservatives, from right wingers on Twitter saying things like, I'm never going to wear a mask or something like that. It's like, dude, you can wear a mask even not in quarantine. You know what I mean? It gets sniffles or something. You can wear a mask. Why, why is everybody taking this so seriously? It's weird. But I'll tell you what, most people do not see it that way. Look, there are tribalists who are arguing, but even hardcore Trump supporters aren't like, okay, there are a few profiles I've seen of hardcore Trump supporters being like, masks are dumb. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get a vaccine. Most people aren't saying this. Most people on the right are saying rational things like we must consider the economy. People are going to starve. Like I've even seen like full Trump, like hardcore Trump supporters talking about the effects of uh, a damaged economy, starvation, and getting things going again. They're not ragging on people for wearing masks, and they're encouraging. I've seen many conservatives encourage social distancing at these protests. On the left, they're not wearing masks saying, I wear a mask. It's not that extreme. You're pointing to the weirdos for the most part. Most people on the left are like, you know, we, we, we better lock down and we need UBI and other things. I personally disagree with that. That doesn't make sense. They don't understand how the economy works. And you have people on the right saying, we need to start producing products again and get back to work. That's the real argument. Stop looking at the caricature of people. Sure, a bunch of protesters showed up in Michigan, but is that representative of literally everyone who's defying the quarantine orders? No, it's people having house parties in Chicago, dude. They're having house parties, man. These aren't, these aren't Trump supporters throwing house parties. It's Chicago. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. Chicago is MAGA country, right? So I guess it must be Trump encouraging people to go out and party and defy the local governments. It's what, uh, this dude's getting crazy. Look what he says. This is disgraceful beyond imagining. Conservatives have turned the act of taking a pandemic seriously into a partisan skirmish in the culture wars. I'm sorry, dude. That's you taking caricatures of the left and the right and pitting them against each other. Not regular people and certainly not conservatives, whatever you mean by that. A pandemic. And because of this, people are driving more. They're leaving their houses more and they're refusing to wear masks. How can this be happening? Are you kidding me? This dude's actually arguing that conservatives are the reason that people are defying the lockdown orders. That's right. Everyone's famous, everyone's favorite MAGA country, Chicago, has seen an eruption of house parties because Donald Trump said, liberate Michigan. And all of the Trump support, Trump, Trump loving Chicagoans were like, here, here, Trump, we're going to go party. That is insane. That is not what's happening. Th- this dude who pushed the guy into the lake, look at these all smiling. Have you got arrested? He did. He is not. I mean, maybe he's a Trump supporter. I don't know. They look, these look like people who actually just don't care about politics all that much. You know what the problem is, Mother Jones? It's you. You're the one turning this into a culture war battle. For sure, there are weird culture war people on social media saying weird culture war things and making fun of people from the South. It's, this is the weirdest thing, all right? I see a lot of these posts from lefties that seem to think that conservatives are all from the Deep South. I guess it's an old caricature of 
conservatives being rednecks or something. There was that one where she was like, your Nana and Peepaw are going to get sick. And it's like, where do you think these people live? You know, like most of Oregon is conservative. I'm pretty sure people who live in Oregon don't have Southern twangs and talk about Nana and Peepaw. So you're talking about a few states. And the funny thing is the Deep South is actually uh, one of the densest populations, one of the densest minority population centers in the country. So who are you talking about? These people like watched a cartoon to get their facts and then think like John Oliver is reality. Let me tell you something, Mother Jones, man. Conservatives did not convince people to go have a a, a party at the lake or to go surfing or to have house parties or to drive to the gas station to pick up a bag of nachos. That's just because people are, are not caring anymore. Here's what's really fascinating, how he starts the article and how he ends it. Americans are tiring of COVID-19 lockdowns. I, I agree, Mr. Drum. That's the writer, Mr. Drum. I agree. People are tiring of it. And so they're just going out and doing their things. But to end the article by arguing because of conservatives, they are, uh, what is this? What he says, uh, because of this, people are driving more. No, you know what, man? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you where this ends up. Bill Barr signals DOJ support for lockdown protesters. There's not a whole lot of them. It's in the thousands. You know, look, again, no disrespect, more power to you. Go do your thing. Let me tell you, the the, the, the federal government agrees. You have a constitutional right to protest. Bill Barr is saying the constitution is not suspended. You can't just start locking things down. Sorry, they don't work that way. When uh, police in Raleigh said protesting was not an essential function or whatever, I have never wanted to protest more in my life. Of course I didn't because of like people don't. If I wasn't willing to protest when the police said this, you think all of these people going out and driving are doing so for tribal war, uh, tribal culture war reasons? You know what, man? Here's the good news. What we're seeing is that even with the harshest of threats, jail time and fines, the American people just do not think you can stop them or they're willing to shove you into the lake they're going to do what they want to do. Man, America's pretty great, isn't it? Look, I think we have to abide by the social distancing rules. I think we should do our best to isolate at home for the time being. The data is coming out suggesting we can start loosening, lightening uh, lightening things up and relaxing these quarantines. And that's been happening. It's not, I'm not an outlier in this position. They've been slowly releasing these things. Many states have already, uh, have never even locked them down in the first place, but we're getting there. We're getting there. So look, do not shove people into a lake don't have house parties, but it doesn't matter what I think or say. Okay. I can tell you, I think it's, 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 you know, chill to your best. The real issue isn't about house parties or partying at the lake. It's about getting the country back working again, because we don't want people to lose their lives. This is a UN warning that people will starve. So we need to take that seriously and get back to work and start opening things up again. It doesn't mean we should go out and just be defined and be like, ah, I'm going to party because that's not really helping either. But it doesn't matter what I think. The point is people can do it anyway. The government can't stop them. We're not China, I guess, but I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. A Democrat in New Hampshire has been forced to resign after saying one of the stupidest things I have ever possibly seen in reference to Tara Reid's allegations against Joe Biden. This one is not going to be family friendly. I am warning you now. Typically, they're fairly family friendly, but we got some adult language. The reason why this, uh, now you've been warned, mind you, New New Hampshire Democrat resigns after bizarre suggestion that Reed's assault claim would would have required her cooperation. He basically said that due to the position of the female anatomy, 
you couldn't just do what she accused Joe Biden of doing using his hands up her skirt, because apparently this man is a 40 year old virgin, I guess. Uh, no, he's wrong. And it was shockingly offensive and he was forced to resign. And I want to read the story, but I also want to bring up a few other points. One, we have some issues with media that I'll lightly touch on. Apparently the Associated Press knew about these accusations to a certain degree and then refused, like actually deleted the interview because they claim they couldn't corroborate Tara Reid's accusations, even though many people have already very easily corroborated much of her story. The bigger point I want to get to with the segment, considering we're looking at this Democrat who has said something resound, like ridiculously stupid, one of the things that really bugs me is when you see the establishment media point the finger at the right and accuse them of, accuse them of all being morons because there's a handful of morons. Well, the same is true for the left, but the media doesn't want to you know, mock them because they view them as a, their bigger market share, I suppose. It's one of the things that really motivates me in terms of the things I cover you, I've met many conservatives and Trump supporters and they're regular people. The same as I've met re, re, uh, many liberals and anti-Trump's, uh, anti-Trump individuals who are regular people. You do have the caricatures and the more extreme morons. There are certainly people on the left who I think are worthy of criticism. I often criticize them, people like Pelosi or Schumer and a lot of people who have Trump derangement syndrome. But of course, you have some conservatives who have said stupid things. I need a haircut signs making light of what's going on. But I'm going to show you some of the inverse. You know, we, we can look at how they view or, how, you know, we can, we can highlight this one Democrat and be like, wow, these people are idiots. We can point out it's one stupid guy. But what this guy proves with his resignation is that when the media frames all of these protesters out demanding an end to the lockdown as like morons, they're stupid people and they, they mock and berate and insult them. They're focusing on like one or two people or a small handful of people. Now, I know a lot of people on the left have said, you're saying the same thing about Antifa. Yes, the difference is when you have 300 people marching around in a city, you know, burning things and flipping cars over and stuff, you're probably going to want to talk about those stupid people. But when it comes to, you know, one Democrat saying something really dumb or one Republican holding a dumb sign, for the most part, I don't really care. But in this case, we have a guy actually resigning. So let's, uh, let's start and read this story. Fox News reports. New Hampshire state rep Richard Comey of Manchester has resigned amid backlash over his apparent suggestion that Tara Reid was looking for attention and would have had to have cooperated with former Vice President Joe Biden's attempt to assault her if her allegation was true. Now, I'm going to read some adult language for you. But for those that just aren't familiar, this is the woman who has been accusing uh, who has accused Joe Biden of assaulting her back in 1993. Here's the quote. Judged by the position of the female vagina, it will not be easy for anyone to just put their finger into the vagina unless there is some cooperation from the female herself. That is why I believe Tara Reid's allegation is false. She is looking for attention, he said on Friday. Sarah Gonzalez uh, uh, Twitter, on, on Twitter said, New Hampshire Democratic Rep Richard Comey says a man can only penetrate a woman with cooperation from the woman. Wow, the Dems are really bad at this. I think it's fair to say they actually are really bad at this. Now, I know I just ragged on the fact that both sides have their morons, but take a look at what happened with Kavanaugh. Look, the bias is clear. You will see in the media highlighting, you know, the, like John Stewart's even done this. And, I, and I, thought, uh, I thought the Daily Show was fantastic under John Stewart. They'll highlight a bunch of Republicans from the past saying really stupid things about women's anatomy as justification for pro-choice arguments. Well, you certainly have the same people on your side. Stop pretending like you're special or smarter. Shortly after that tweet, 
New Hampshire House Speaker Steve Shirtleff called for Comey's resignation. Quote, I am appalled by Representative Comey's comments. They were dismissive and hurtful to survivors of assault across the Granite State and across the country. The comments are not fitting for the New Hampshire House of Representatives. And immediately upon learning of them, I have called him and asked Representative Comey to resign his seat. In a letter sent Saturday to Shirtleft, Comey said he was resigning because of the tweet. Wow. Quote, I also want to offer my sincere apologies to anybody whose feelings may have been hurt by the tweets. I am and will continue to be a supporter of victims of uh, assault and uh, domestic uh, domestic and sexual assault, Comey said in his letter, which was shared with the Associated Press by a member of the Speaker's office. The tweets were very poorly worded and do not reflect who I am and what I stand for. I ask for the forgiveness of all who have been victims of assault uh, of any uh, of any kind. Now, they also highlight here over at Fox News photos of this man with Joe Biden. I don't care. I don't know why that's relevant. Of course, he's a Democrat. Of course, he took photos with Biden. What else is new? They mentioned a Facebook account that appeared to belong to Comey showed pictures of him with Biden and his wife. It also included a post about the Democratic Party's unity in backing Biden for the 2020 presidential nomination. Comey is a former refugee from Nigeria who settled in the U.S. in 1999 and was first elected to the state house in 2008. Since the tweet, which Shirtleft and other Democrats saw, Comey has made his Twitter feed protected, meaning only those who followed him before the controversy can see his tweets. Anyone else must be approved. And they go on to mention that there is a a much broader conversation around what's going on. I want to highlight this story here. We have an update in the Tara Reid allegation as we move on to the criticisms of the press. Two more people back parts of Tara Reid's claims against Joe Biden. How difficult was it for people to realize that she has, well, actual corroborating evidence? I'm not saying I believe her necessarily. You know, here's the way I try to explain it. You could make like, let's say you got into a fight with someone, uh, you shoved somebody, and then you filed a police report saying that they got into a fight with you. And then 20 years later, you claim that they actually had, you know, sexually assaulted you. And you're like, aha, I told people about the attack. I filed a police report. It's like you, you can change the story later. And one of the challenges with Tara Reid's accusations is that even she has said, uh, I believe she said something to this effect that she didn't mention assault in the initial report. She chickened out or that's what the AP is claiming. She's claiming that's false. But I think what she's saying is false is that she never reported the harassment, which she did. My general understanding is that the initial story from her was that Biden was harassing her, you know, groping her and sniffing her and things like that. But that the instance where he shoved his hand up her skirt, that's a new claim. So I'm not saying I believe or disbelieve her, but I'm just telling you extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. But in reference to other accusations, things like Brett Kavanaugh, we now have multiple corroborations, individuals corroborating her story. I'll put it that way. Here's where it gets interesting. According to Breitbart, I mean, it's not even according to Breitbart. I know this is true. I can pull up the story for you. The Associated Press, ad, a press admits not reporting and deleting Tara Reid interview from 2019 detailing charges against Joe Biden. Yep. They just linked to the story. I mean, you can pull the story up and the AP straight up says they interviewed her and they didn't report it because they couldn't corroborate it. I don't buy it. Couldn't or wouldn't. How easy has it been for all of these outlets to corroborate the story that she, uh, her, uh, corroborate her accusations. Again, corroboration is not confirmation. Breitbart says, uh, they show a quote, 
The AP declined to publish details of the 2019 interviews at the time because reporters were unable to corroborate her allegations and aspects of her story contradicted other reporting, the report said. The AP report claims that in the 2019 interview, some of which the media outlet said it deleted in keeping with the reporter's standards, standard practice for disposing of old interviews, does not specifically cite assault, but merely that Reid was uncomfortable with some of Biden's attentions, including that Biden rubbed her shoulders and neck and played with her hair. That definitely sounds like Biden. She said she was asked by an aide in Biden's Senate office to dress more conservatively and told don't be so sexy, the AP reported. AP further said any official report she made at the time of her interactions with Biden did not refer to harassment or assault. After the AP tweeted that headline for its Saturday reports, Reid responded with her own tweet. This is false. AP reported on its interviews with Reid Monday. The AP reported that Reid told the media uh, told the media outlet she didn't have a copy of the report and added that Biden in his first public comment on the allegations on Friday does not remember any complaint against him. The AP reviewed notes of its 2019 interviews with Reid after she came forward in March with allegations of assault against Biden. But reporters discovered an additional transcript and notes from those interviews on Friday. The report went on. A recording of one of the interviews was deleted before Reid emerged in 2020 with new allegations against Biden in keeping with the reporter's standard practices for disposing old interviews. Uh, a portion of that interview was also recorded on video, but not the part in which she spoke of having chickened out on telling all the details of her interactions with Biden. That's actually more corroboration. Many people have said, why is her story changed? Well, I mean, it's typical in cases of survivors. They're scared. I mean, that's look, this is the argument put forward by the left. It's not a standard I, for, for which I would apply. I think you need standard due process and Joe Biden deserves to have, you know, real due process. I do not like 30 year old allegations because the court of public opinion is substantially worse than, than actual court. And Joe Biden may be innocent. I'll tell you what, though. Brett Kavanaugh was a Boy Scout. And I mean that figuratively, like the dude was your typical run of the mill. They vetted the guy. They've also vetted Joe Biden and times have changed. Some have argued, why is it that this allegation came out against Brett Kavanaugh 30 years later? Why did this allegation come out against Joe Biden 30 years later? Well, I mean, it's the Me Too movement, like for real, like uh, uh, people who are victims of assault often don't want to come out because they're scared. Now we're seeing the scale tilted much more dramatically on the other side and people are starting to come out. So that's a good explanation for why, for why Tara Reid or Christine Blasey Ford wouldn't have come out against either of them. But here's the thing. The Brett Kavanaugh allegation had no corroborating witnesses. She didn't know where she was. She didn't know how she got there. None of her friends recalled even uh, believing she, uh, none, of her, uh, none of her friends even recalled her knowing Brett Kavanaugh. In fact, her good friend said, I don't remember this happening. And I didn't even know she knew the guy. With Tara Reid, we have corroborating evidence. And I'm still saying we shouldn't play this game, right? The point is, though, why would the Associated Press trash this interview? They couldn't corroborate it. Why did Business Insider just contact a neighbor and like, boom, there you go, corroboration? Why didn't they talk to anyone about this? The Associated Press tends to be good. But I'll tell you what, man, this just it, it just shows, right? The media establishment. Here, here's the point I want to get to, because I want to talk about the double standard and calling out morons on the right and the exaggerations. The media establishment doesn't call out, for the most part, people like this crazy dude in New Hampshire who said something really, really dumb. And it's because they're in the bag for Democrats and we know it. Now, I don't necessarily think that's entirely because 
they all want to vote Democrat and want Democrats to win. I think it's mostly because of their personal bias growing up in cities. It's also due to what their target market is. If you're a news outlet that caters mostly to liberals because liberals trust the media, you're not going to insult them, are you? No, you'll probably go after, you know, conservatives as another, you know, as the other, I'm doing air quotes, like a group that's not you that they can target and say, aha, look at them. They're bad. They're awful. This in turn creates really, really lopsided perspectives in politics. And I think it's one of the reasons we're seeing so many Democrats embrace ridiculous and insane political positions like open borders. And yes, they are. Stop playing these games. There are Democratic socialists literally in Congress, and the DSA has officially adopted open borders as a policy position. You want to argue the grains of sand that Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden have have pushed towards inching towards open borders? We can call it that too. But yes, they're embracing insane positions because insane people like this New Hampshire Democrat guy believe insane things and the media doesn't call them out. The only reason this guy had to resign is because a different politician called him out. Well, many people in media have called him out, but yes, it's conservative media for the most part. Why? Well, conservatives are going to go after Democrats in much the same way. The way I see it, though, is that the cultural establishment is democratic because I believe of big urban centers. And then you end up with democratic politicians embracing this and they chase themselves further and further to the left. I do find it absolutely fascinating that media would actually have disregarded the story considering what was going on with Kavanaugh not that much you know, earlier. It was 2018. I will show you this, though. Eric Swalwell's response it's actually uh, fairly okay. Um, and I'm highlighting this because I want to make sure it's clear. I've covered this. I mean, the Democrats are, re- are reeling from the backlash, the backfiring of the Me Too movement. They embrace this and now it's really hurting them. You've seen, you've seen Chris Hayes, people call for him to be fired. You are seeing Democrats have no choice now but to come out and say, okay, okay, like, yeah, we do have to really, you know, take this seriously as much as they don't want to. But Eric, Sw- Eric Swalwell did lighten up, right? He initially said of Brett Kavanaugh that, you know, women should be believed. Now he's saying Tara Reid should be heard. But, you know, he's, he's not going as far as to say he doesn't believe her, much like this other lunatic in New Hampshire. He says we should believe this woman. And we should also look for other facts that they exist. Of course, the vice president has a story to tell as well. And other people around the incident, people who have worked in the office at the time should be interviewed. And I'm going leave it, to leave it to that. It's a little weak. But we're seeing here the foundation cracking. They have no choice. I want to show you something I find really, really funny as an example of how the media establishment, big social tech giants and everything are, well, they're they're essentially manipulating for the reasons I just said. I think they're trying to make money and it creates this echo chamber environment. Take a look at this uh, very poorly thought out comic straw man argument. This is the top post on the political humor subreddit. This subreddit is not about political humor. It's just anti-Trump propaganda. It's people making jokes that aren't legitimate. Case in point, in the first panel, it says 2016, and it's a guy wearing a MAGA hat. It says, what you liberal snowflakes don't get is that life is hard and doesn't care about your precious feelings. The next panel says uh, 2020, the man is now unhinged looking, firing a gun. And he says, if I can't get my hair done by a professional, I'm going, I'm not even going to read what that, what that says. I'm not going to have that quote out of context on me. But he threatens violence against politicians. I'll put it that way. With a Q shirt on. These are clearly not the same people. And the people in 2016 who are arguing about facts, not caring about your feelings are literally arguing the same thing today. This, 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 this comic is fake, 
right? Clearly, it's a straw man argument. I get it, though. Someone making a joke and they're exaggerating. If you want to make a joke, that's fine. But a lot of people see this and some of the comments are saying things like 100% accurate. People really view this as reality. They think someone's making an actual point instead of just making a caricature of what's actually going on. The reason why I highlight this is when you look at the dude from New Hampshire saying something as ridiculous as the position of the female anatomy, Joe Biden wouldn't have been able to do it. The dude clearly, I guess, 40-year-old virgin or something, I'm assuming. But people think these things. They think these really dumb things. Certainly, there are people who think really dumb things on the right as well. But I want to show you the contradiction. On this subreddit, right, I'm I'm highlighting this to show you Reddit as an institution has been banning uh, major conservative forums and suppressing them, notably r slash the Donald, which has now moved to the Donald.win, it's a different website. There's a lot of people who claim that they were getting away with all these things. And it's like, dude, listen. This political, uh, uh, one of the things that Donald was accused of was that there was a big graphic of Donald Trump. And it was like, you got to click it. And they said that that was blocking it, making it hard for people to navigate and report things. Political humor does the same thing with a big George Soros. It's like a huge graphic of George Soros. You have to subscribe to get it to, to disappear. But let me show you this. While they're simultaneously arguing that the protesters are stupid for wanting things to be opened, arguing that they just want their hair done, which is just not the case. They also have this, Hail Hydra trolling the reopen Oregon now rally. Here they are showing a guy at the rally breaking social distancing and the lockdown to join a protest, making its numbers larger, but he's holding a sign making fun of them. That's okay. That's funny. You see the double standard? Listen, if you're arguing we shouldn't be locked, we should, we should be taking lockdown seriously. Why are you going to point out this troll and be like, haha, that's so funny. He's making fun of them. He's breaking lockdown too. And as far as anyone's concerned, he's just another person in this protest because he's an idiot. Because the people on the subreddit are just as dumb as the other guy who doesn't understand anatomy. It's not literally everyone. The problem is institutional bias. That's the real problem. Can we have an honest discussion about Joe Biden and Brett Kavanaugh? Yeah, probably not. But I'll tell you what. Typically, you will find, and I think this is my opinion, that conservative media is more likely to be accurate. And I mean legitimate conservative media, not fringe clickbait conspiracy websites. I'm talking about legitimate websites that are conservative, like, you know, DC Examiner, the, you know, I'm not going to get into it. Daily Caller, for instance. The reason is, is that moderates and Republicans and moderates and conservatives read the same sources, a little bit of the left, a little bit of the right. And so you end up with conservatives reading the left, the mainstream media, seeing the mistakes and then writing about what's wrong with it. But moderates are reading these two. Democrats only read the mainstream media, which is why you'll end up seeing people on the left believing these fake things as the Trump supporters only want to have their, you know, their haircut. Someone is a journalist who tweeted, if you're one of these people who thinks we should reopen the economy, just unfollow me now. I can't deal with that level of stupid, blah, blah, blah. It's this, this like arrogant ego of I'm so much smarter than you. When the media won't call out people like this, this, this Comey guy, because it would offend the delicate sensibilities of their audience, you end up with people really believing they're the smart ones and they're always right. Conservatives are not always right. Conservative media is not always right. But conservative media is often fact-checking mainstream sources and calling them out for their BS. I, I, would, I would argue that original reporting, maybe, maybe this is the reason. Conservatives don't do a lot of original reporting relative to liberal sources. And that could be the reason why they make so many mistakes and have to be corrected all the time. Conservative sites tend to be more uh, column-based and opinion-based. 
But the, 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 the more trusted news sources tend to do more reporting, and thus they probably tend to make a lot more mistakes. But now you're seeing a total breakdown because even CNN is admitting they're doing full rage bait. So I, I, I don't want to get too much into it. Let me just wrap up by saying this. The point I'm trying to make with all these segments is that these, look at it this way. The Associated Press knew Tari was making accusations, didn't corroborate her story, and then didn't report it. And thus, for over a year, people on the left did not hear that Joe Biden had been accused of these things, and they could have corroborated the story. The AP could have easily started doing some digging, and they did not. We couldn't corroborate it. We got rid of it. Because of that bias, it's clear bias, considering people have easily corroborated her story. People on the left end up with this false view of what's really happening. And they just end up believing the fake news. It must be true, I guess. But it's clearly biased, clearly being omitted. Fox News writes about this guy. He's forced to resign. You got to recognize, man, nobody's perfect. Everybody basically does the same things. I'll wrap it up there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. at youtube.com slash Timcast. It is my main channel, and I will see you all then. I hope in the future, when you open up a dictionary or by then scroll to the dictionary website, upon searching for the word hypocrisy, it says, see also Democratic Party. Because with the Tara Reid allegations, we are sure seeing that these people really, really don't care about assault or survivors or whatever it is they claimed they cared about. This may be one of the, you know, I don't know what the right word is to describe this shockingly hilarious, hypocritical, or just downright terrifying. This tweet from this woman saying basically, yeah, you know what? We know that Joe Biden's a creepy abuser, but hey. <laughs> I'm going to vote for him anyway. And boy, we've seen some really, really nasty tweets. Some people who have gone absolutely insane that I used to know saying things like, even though I believe Joe Biden did it and I was a victim myself, I would still vote for him a thousand times. Dude, Joe Biden does this. We know he does this, right? Take a look at this tweet. So this woman named Lisa Bloom says, I believe you, Tara Reid. You have people who remember you told them about this decades ago. We know he is handsy. You're not asking for money. You've obviously struggled mightily with this. I still have to fight Trump, so I will still support Joe, but I believe you and I'm sorry. Think about that for two seconds. The orange man is so bad. I will absolutely vote for a man who I think assaulted this woman. All right, all right, I get it. Their argument is Trump has assaulted women too, but you want to talk about a lesser of two evils arguments. Wow, this one takes the cake. Look, I get it when someone says, you know, Donald Trump is, is pretty bad, but man, that Hillary was so much worse. You got to vote for Trump. Otherwise, Hillary gets in. It's like, oh, that, that I understand, right? We're not really talking about someone being evil. It's kind of just an argument to say, look, I know you really, really don't like Donald Trump, but you really, really, really don't like Hillary Clinton, right? Okay, if you want to stop Hillary, you got to vote, uh, vote for the other guy. That's actually the argument being put forward now about Trump and Biden. It's not really about Biden being evil. It's about the fact that he's not there, that he can't actually do the job. And I'd rather have someone who's kind of erratic like Trump than someone like Biden. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to vote for Trump, but I'm saying I'm, I'm closer than I've ever been because it's kind of scary, the thought of someone like Biden being president. Now, that being said, I really hate the idea of voting for someone to stop someone else. So again, I probably won't vote. We'll see what happens. But take a look at this. Now we're talking about evil and evil, like quite literally, you think Donald Trump abused all these women. You believe Donald, that Joe Biden abused this woman. And you're like, eh, I'll vote for it's. I'm going to vote for this rapist over the other one. Dude, just don't vote. What is wrong with these people? All right, but there's more. There's more. I'm not done. 
This guy went nuts. This guy, Kenny, I don't, uh, he's, he's got a tweet. It's get, you know, getting a little bit of traction. It's not very big or anything. But I thought this, this was a good example of more of the hypocrisy. He says, I'm over mourning Micah, MSNBC. Y'all are playing with black people lives with this, I believe Tara Reid bull, this BS. All right. And that's because the, Tara Reid, the accuser of Biden, went, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's because Joe Biden went, uh, went on MSNBC and got pressed by Morning Joe's Micah Brzezinski. This dude in the video, like, curses at Tara Reid, a woman who should be believed, who's saying she's a victim. This dude calls her, he, he cusses at her, he calls her slurs. I can't say them on YouTube, I'll get in trouble. But like, you want to talk about pure hypocrisy. You've got people saying, I refuse to believe you, you lying B word. And you've got a woman saying, you know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and believe you and not care. Yeah, well, of course there's more. Check this one out. Biden delegate candidate wants FBI to investigate the journalists who broke the Tara Reid story. You know, what's really breaking the brains of all these Democrats is they're trying to do their normal routine of like conservatives are pushing this right wing talking point when the story was first published by Bernie Sanders supporters. Uh Oh, you get attacked from both sides. Yeah, the overwhelming majority of people think Joe Biden is a creep. I'm sure a lot of people think Trump is a creep too, but that's a separate issue, man. They, two things can be true at the same time. For right now, we're talking about Joe Biden. But I love how one of their go-to defenses is, why are you going after Joe Biden with this one story when Donald Trump was accused by all these women? It's like, bro, if you go up to a progressive and try to argue that Biden gets a free pass because Trump is worse, like you realize they're arguing that same thing. They're arguing that they know Trump is worse and Biden is bad too. One of the things these people don't seem to understand, these, uh, these liberal types, the establishment ones, is that the far left actually hates you more than they hate conservatives, let alone Trump supporters. Now, many of them do. But here's the thing, man. Trump supporters are populists. They actually agreed with some of Bernie Sanders' proposals. So left-wing populists and progressives are more likely to align with Trump on key issues like anti-establishment issues. Now, obviously, not policy issues. Obviously, many of these people have Trump derangement syndrome. But there are a lot of people who will absolutely agree with you know, there, there have been many progressives, notably like the Intercept, Glenn Greenwald. They don't like Trump, but they call out the establishment press as being liars. And that's the point I'm saying, like it's elite versus populist, right? Take a look at this. Now they want the journalists to be investigated by the FBI. A potential delegate for Vice President Joe Biden said Saturday, the FBI should investigate the journalists who broke Tara Reid's story. Lindy Lee was responding to the news that Reed, a former Senate aide who has accused Biden of assault, admitted that she did not use the term harassment in the complaint she filed. Lee claimed in a tweet that Reed's story was a fraud and that the journalists responsible for going ahead with her story were a part of that fraud as well. Now that Tara Reed's story has completely imploded, it hasn't. I hope the FBI investigates Nathan J. Robinson, Katie uh, Helper, Ryan Grimm for their role in this fraud Wow. Wow. That is bold. I'm not surprised. The establishment Democrats are in line with other media outlets wanting Chinese style censorship. So of course they'd want to arrest journalists for saying naughty things about the party. Remember, did you watch the main segment I did earlier? If you didn't go check it out in it, I show you an article from the Atlantic where they're like, China, you know, China was right on internet censorship. And then I show this article from CNN where it's like journalist gets 15 years in prison for bad mouthing, for vilifying the communist party. Look at who these people are. A Biden delegate saying, how dare you besmirch the name of my party? You should be investigated. 
I hope the FBI investigates. Tara or whatever your actual name is, you have gravely harmed real Me Too survivors. Hashtag I believe Biden. I believe Joe. Tara Reid is a liar. I got to hand it to you, man. That's 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 some amazing, amazing stuff. The Intercept's Ryan Grimm responded to Lee saying that although Reid admitted that she had not used specific words sexual harassment in her complaint, she had described an interaction that would be interpreted as such. Maybe call the cops back and tell them to stand down for now, he added. So here's uh, uh, Ryan Grimm. I'm really, I'm really impressed. I mean, I, I don't want to say I'm surprised. I don't think any of you are surprised either. Just more examples. I mentioned this earlier. There's a viral tweet. I didn't want to pull it up because it's so egregious. It's a woman saying that she was actually raped by a guy in the 90s, a politician, and she would vote for him over Trump. Think about that level of Trump derangement syndrome that you'd literally be like the dude who like tortured me. I would vote for a hundred times before I would vote for Donald Trump because he's orange. No, for real. I know I'm kidding about like, that's the only, obviously, obviously that's not the only reason that they don't want to vote for Trump. But what is the reason? No, for real. Look, I, I, I'll put it this way. What I've often talked about never wanting to vote for Trump in the past. And I, I was supporting Yang and, and, and Tulsi, and I don't even agree with them on, on many of their policies. So look, the, 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 the position is, I see Donald Trump as someone who I would not choose to be president. I know some people have said he's unfit to be president. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. No, like for real, like what is what is fit to be president mean? Like the qualifications to be president are you're an American you, or you were born here and you're over 35 years old. So fitness, Donald Trump is apparently a spry old man. I'll say that he's certainly got energy. But for me, you know, I'm looking for somebody else. That's why I, I, I like Tulsi. I liked Yang. But you didn't give me that, Democrats. You gave me Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a creepy old uh, lecher, the same as many people have, uh, have accused Donald Trump. The only issue is what I have seen of Kavanaugh and how I have seen your hypocrisy. I don't, I don't trust the allegations against Trump. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And I got to be honest, I don't completely trust the allegations against Biden either. But I'll tell you one thing. When all these women come out and accuse every single Republican under the sun of doing something, you know, like harassing or assaulting, at first I take them seriously. I'm like, okay, we're going to listen to this. Then when you get Tara Reid coming out, and I'm like, oh, okay, let's see them, you know, agree. And like, let's see where they, they position themselves. And they're straight up saying like, yeah, you know, even though I think he did this, I'd still vote for him. I'm like, okay, now I think you're lying because this proves for one, I, I know it's just one person, but you, you, you can see it with many different uh, people saying similar things. They don't actually care about survivors. They don't care about victims. Then you get the other guy who just straight up calls her a, a bunch of slurs and yells at her and says, you're hurting our, my, my people or whatever. And it's like, do you, 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 don't, you don't care about the accusations against Trump, do you? Like, it, it, you just want to win. You just want power. You want to get things for yourself. What do you think Biden's going to do for you other than fall asleep, accidentally press the wrong button and fire a nuke in some, some random country? Joe Biden is not fit to be president. Now that I understand, Right. When I, when I talk about fitness, it's like you got Donald Trump who says he says silly and stupid things all the time and people call him out for it. I don't know, whatever. Presidents say dumb things. George W. Bush said dumb things. I don't know. What, what do you want? You want an orator? You want, a, you want someone who can, who can speak clearly and look like a good, you know, teleprompter reader? I don't know, whatever. Joe Biden falls asleep. Like apparently there's like a clip where it looks like he, fall, he falls asleep on TV. The dude can't speak. In one interview on CNN, he mutters and sputters for like 20 seconds. It's horrifying. That to me shows he's not fit to be president. Donald Trump's spry. I don't know if he's uh, just eating a lot of fast food, giving that good McDonald's energy, or he's on uppers or whatever, but the dude's clearly spry. And the economy was doing really, really well. So as much as I would not choose that guy, 
you're really putting me in a corner where I have to where I have to fight against the insane old man, Joe Biden, who you're now saying like, well, we think he did it, but let's vote for him anyway. It's like, all right, you know what? You know what? You've lost me a long time ago. But uh, you get the point. Just more hypocrisy from Democrat voters, this time in the weirdest way possible. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. All right. At at this point, considering the culture war and the weird shifts of what makes someone left or right, Bill Maher is clearly on the right. Now, I'm not saying he's a conservative, but some people have referred to the right as traditional and classical liberals, conservatives, you know, right wingers, people who advocate for free speech, libertarians, and the left are the communist socialists, uh, establishment elite Democrat types. And Bill Maher, though he does have a severe, severe case of Trump derangement syndrome, he's, he's, he's got to be on the right right now, right? Like he's advocated for free speech. He's called out social justice outrage mobs. And just last week, he actually pushed back on Nancy Pelosi saying that she was writing funny money checks and the purse must be empty. This is actually, let me, let me read you the story. Nancy Pelosi tells Bill Maher, how Congress can keep writing checks to U.S. workers, matter of life and death. They didn't answer the question. The question was, how do you just keep writing checks? Eventually, there's no money, right? Man, Bill Maher, talking about free speech. He called out China. He said it. you calling it the Wuhan virus is, is, is what you should be doing. He, he, he goes after woke outrage culture. The only thing not putting him on the right is that he doesn't like Donald Trump. But even that technically doesn't matter. I mean, he's got he's got Trump derangement syndrome. But there, like, there are people like Eric Weinstein, for instance. He doesn't like Trump either, and he's considered to be on the right. I'm not saying he's conservative or right wing. I'm saying in the culture war, whatever that means. There you go. Bill Maher's clearly on whatever side, sort of we're on. I guess. I don't know. Look, I'll tell you what. I don't think liberal, conservative, left and right really mean anything anymore. It's just tribal team politics. Policy-wise, as most of you know, I'm, I lean slightly to the left, as do, I mean, there are many other, like the, the Weinstein brothers themselves are more progressive, but they oppose the authoritarianism. So I don't know what any of this means. All I know is that if I keep agreeing with Bill Maher, all right, Bill Maher, you're on our side. Drop the Trump derangement syndrome. You can hate the guy because Trump's got problems, but he's not that bad. Like to call for a recession, chill out, bro. Well, guess what, Bill? You got your recession. You got your panic. And now you're upset that they're desperately writing checks to save, you know, to bail everybody out. Maybe the recession wasn't such a good idea now, was it? But anyway, I'm not trying to drag Bill Maher. I actually like the guy. Check out this story from Newsweek. They say HBO host Bill Maher on Friday evening pressed House Speaker Nancy Pelosi how Congress can keep writing checks topping over $2 trillion to U.S. workers and businesses, to which the top House Democrat replied, it's a matter of life and death. That's great. And that doesn't answer the question. Bill Maher and Pelosi discussed Congress's latest coronavirus pandemic stimulus legislation aimed at giving small businesses incentive to keep their employees on the payroll until social distancing measures are pulled back. Maher questioned how the U.S. federal government, which which was already trillions of dollars in debt before COVID-19, can continue writing, quote, funny money checks in order to prop up the U.S. economy. Pelosi pushed back, questioning where Marr and so-called fiscal conservatives were when President Donald Trump and Republicans passed his 2017 tax cut for wealthiest 1% of Americans. What does that have to do with you cranking out funny money checks? Nothing. Tax cuts, fine. I get it. The deficit can go up because we can't pay back our bills. Maybe we shouldn't have been spending that money in the first place. Look, 
I know that in my household, if my debt is going higher than my income, perhaps it's time to stop spending money instead of just piling it on. And then when someone says they're going to stop contributing to the house fund and I got to pay these bills, well, it's like maybe you shouldn't have spent money you didn't have in the first place. But I'm not even uh, opposed to the funny money checks, to be honest. I understand. I actually kind of agree with Nancy Pelosi. You see that the checks aren't pulling existing money out of our bank accounts. We're inflating the, 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 the money supply in a desperate bid to keep the wheels moving. And it's a temporary measure that will eventually blow up in our faces. But what's the alternative? We let everything collapse. The alternative now to that is to reopen things. We probably should. So interestingly, the Washington Examiner, which is a more conservative paper, calls Bill Maher the loan, uh, offers loan voice of fiscal sanity. That's what I'm saying, man. She referred to Bill Maher as a fiscal, uh, she's like you and fiscal conservatives. Whoa, 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 whoa. Lumping Bill Maher with the conservatives, conservatives praising Bill Maher. What world have we, con- we, we entered? This timeline certainly is crazy. Well, let, let's read what the Washington Examiner has to say. But before we do, I'm going to do something I don't normally do and give a shout out to a sponsor, Virtual Shield. In the description below, you will see a link to hidewithtim.com. And this will get you access to a VPN, a virtual private network service. It is a simple layer of security for your internet browsing. The way I describe it, we all, you know, none of us expect anyone to break into our homes for the most part, but we do put locks on our windows and doors. They're not perfect guarantees that no one can break in, but you take the bare minimum effort to make sure no one does. Right now, everybody's working from home, you know, or, or if, if you're able to, and a lot of people are at home. So it's more important than ever to consider your security if you're using bank accounts or private emails and stuff. A virtual private network service can provide that base layer of security. In the description below, you will see hidewithtim.com. Check it out. They got 50% off. I want to give a serious shout out to Virtual Shield. I rarely do sponsor spots, but they have they were my first sponsor. They stuck around this whole way through the past several years, really helping me out, especially in times like these where everyone's, you know, like ad rates are going down. So I'm really grateful to have a sponsor. And I hope you consider it. If you're looking for a VPN, hidewithtim.com. But let's go back to the story and see what the conservatives have to say about their fiscally conservative friend Bill Maher, I guess. Liberal political commentator Bill Maher, you see they call him a liberal, has made a name for himself as a critic of conservatism. But the potty mouthed comedian recently emerged as an unlikely critic of the trillion dollar federal bailouts passed in the wake of the novel coronavirus pandemic. In a recent interview with House Speaker Pelosi, the HBO television host wondered how the federal government could keep printing money to bail out corporations and mailing checks. He says, I know Congress controls the purse strings. I can't imagine there's much left in the purse. Pelosi said, I know we can bail out certain. uh, Oh, I'm sorry. He said this. I know we can bail out certain sectors as we have done in the past. I don't know how you can just keep indefinitely writing checks. They go on to say the Congressional Budget Office recently updated the deficit forecast. The numbers are not pretty. The CBO is projecting a three point seven trillion dollar deficit nearly double the record $1.9 trillion deficit in 09 following the last financial crisis. By the end of this fiscal year, the CBO projects the percentage of federal debt held by the public will exceed 100% of gross domestic product. Have you bought your gold in Bitcoin yet? I'm half kidding, by the way. I'm half kidding. Uh, That's frighteningly close to the GDP to debt ratio Greece had in 2008 before its economic meltdown. These numbers should scare taxpayers. Can the United States correct its course? Of course, but evidence suggests it won't. First, as economist Anthony Davies and political scientist James Harrigan have argued, it's unlikely the U.S. will ever return to pre-coronavirus spending levels. Based on recent history, 
it's likely the multi-trillion dollar deficits will be the new normal and the Federal Reserve will emerge as the lender of last resort. Second, the federal bailouts aren't over. On April 24th, President Trump signed another relief bill. This one, a $484 billion package for small businesses and hospitals after the original $2 trillion was deemed insufficient. Now state and local leaders are calling for their own bailouts. It's no surprise. Even before the uh, COVID struck, many state and local governments were fiscal calamities. State pensions collectively faced a $1.3 trillion funding gap before the market collapsed in February, according to data from the Pew Research Center. Some states, such as Illinois, were careening towards insolvency well before the coronavirus struck. And that's why many people have said, don't bail out these states. All you're going to do is disrupt the U.S. economy more because these states were already in desperate positions from spending poorly and not managing their budgets properly. They go on to say, the problem is that the Federal Reserve, the lender of last resort, is already carrying a balance sheet that's projected to hit 10 trillion early next year. There's little indication that the Federal Reserve has the ability or the inclination to shrink its balance sheet, and the central bank's actions are not without consequences. Basic economics shows that expanding the money supply faster than actual outputs is a recipe for inflation. That's likely where we're heading, analysts point out. We've never seen the central bank create this much inflation in its history, Peter Schiff recently observed, who correctly predicted the the 07 crisis. To think that it's not going to affect consumer prices, I think is completely ludicrous. These basic economic realities have long been pointed out by crusty economists and financial gurus like Schiff. But in light of the recent spending orgy, even political commentators like Marr are finally starting to ask the right questions. So is it that Bill Maher is a conservative? No, I think everyone has their limit. And while Bill Maher isn't the furthest left individual on the left, or whatever you want to call it, he's certainly reached his limit. At a certain point, even if you want green new deals and Medicare for all and college for everybody and free tuition or whatever, you're going to be like, wait a minute. Maybe we've printed too much money and now we're going to spiral out of control. Fiscal conservatives obviously have called this out for a very, very long time. But if we're now seeing liberals like Bill Maher get really concerned about where we're heading, here's, here's my conclusion. Bill Maher is like the last vestige of the old school liberals, people that I probably would agree with on most things. And now you see people like Pelosi just saying whatever they need to say, not actually knowing or caring. And many other people on the left saying, spend more, just keep deficit spending because they don't understand how economics works. And this will result in a collapse, pensions, savings. People will just have all their money wiped out. The value, the purchasing power will be gone. And that's where we're heading. Unfortunately, Bill Maher, you are the last of a dying breed. The pe- you, you, you can either join the, the, the populist anti-establishment types or just keep on your Trump derangement syndrome nonsense. But Pelosi just lumped you in with fiscal conservatives. So maybe, maybe you're, you're fighting the wrong fight. I mean, no, I think Bill Maher's fighting the right fight. I think he's got to drop the TDS. I guess we'll see how things play out. I think the, uh, uh, the economy's in serious trouble and uh, no one's going to do anything about it, but I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, I am outraged. Never have I been so triggered by such a story. Look at this. Honeymooners broke quarantine to get pizza. How dare they? Such a crime cannot be tolerated by a sane, rational civilization. I demand they be arrested. Oh, oh, they were arrested. Well, serves them right for going and getting pizza. Who would have thought in our society people would go out and get pizza? 
For shame, for shame. Well, in other good news, violent criminals are being released from prisons and then being arrested again for committing more violent crimes. You get the bit. I'm kidding. They're releasing serious criminal, uh, uh, people who have committed serious criminal offenses, people who have committed violent crimes, who are then going out and committing violent crimes again. And this is what you're doing with your time, arresting some young people for going to get pizza. I love it. How ridiculous is our society becoming? Look, I understand the reason why they're letting out inmates is because I, and, and I agree to an extent there's a rights issue here, but the, the idea is you, you, they don't want an outbreak happening in these jails. People who are trapped in these small cells and in these enclosed areas, you'll see the coronavirus spread, you know, through, uh, through, the, through, the, through the system. And it's, it's well, it'll cause serious health problems. I also believe there's a constitutional issue there. Do you have a right to lock someone in a box full of a disease? That I don't agree with. I think we have a responsibility to the people that we imprison. I don't like them for committing crimes. I think they're bad people, but I think we have to have a certain level of dignity and like human value when we lock people up. If you are going to take the responsibility of taking someone's freedom away, I understand some would argue they, they lost their own freedom. They gave up their freedom when they committed crimes. The point is, look, you can exile them, put them on a boat, kick them out in the ocean, right? No, we've decided we're going to take a big, a, a big place and we're going to put them in there. We are now responsible within varying degrees you know, for their safety. If a virus starts sweeping through, well, we have a serious problem. I'm not saying I think the answer is to release them. There's probably other things you can do. Start social distancing everybody and, you know, taking strict measures within the prison to stop the spread. Instead, they're letting people go and they're arresting honeymooners. Check this out. California honeymooners who repeatedly broke quarantine restrictions are scoffed at at Hawaii hotel manager who read them the rules are or, or, or uh, they, they did scoff at the hotel manager um, and they were arrested for going out to meet friends and eat pizza. Elon Musk recently tweeted free, you know, liberate or like he's like freedom or something. And he said something about in a phone call, forcing people to stay in their homes is fascism. And then all these news outlets were like, no one is being forced to stay in their homes. That's not true. They are. All right. Well, let, let's read the story and see what happened to this couple. And you already get the general idea of these other stories. Check this out. Dozens of NYC inmates back in jail after coronavirus release. Before we read the honeymoon story, though, make sure you go to youtube.com slash Timcast, because I found out recently uh, a lot of people don't realize I have multiple channels. So if you are a frequenter of this channel and you don't know, youtube.com slash Timcast is like my original big channel. I do one video per day at 4 p.m. Subscribe if you haven't. Some people are asking me about it. Here you go. It's mostly political. You can see what I talk about. It's very much the same thing as this, slightly different. But let's read the story about the honeymooners. They say, a California couple honeymooning in Hawaii were arrested by local authorities for allegedly violating the 14-day quarantine rules. Boris Lyuski, 20, and his new wife, Yulia Andrichenko, 26, of Citrus Heights, were arrested for allegedly flouting quarantine rules repeatedly while staying at a hotel in Waikiki. The couple's arrest was announced in a statement released by the Hawaii Attorney General's office titled From the Honeymoon Suite Cell Block. Hawaii authorities of the couple scoff. The couple scoffed at the hotel manager who warned them of the state's mandatory quarantine rules for visitors. Leoski, a Ukrainian national and his wife, a naturalized American citizen who grew up in Ukraine, were first informed of the quarantine requirements by the hotel manager when they checked in just after 10 p.m. on Wednesday. They reportedly disputed the manager, saying they were told by airport screeners that they were under no such obligation to shelter in place. And therein lies the big problem. 
All right, let's jump over to that. Let's talk about some more serious crimes. Dozens of NYC inmates back in jail after being released. You land. A guy at the airport says, nah, you don't got to worry about it. You say, okay. Then some hotel manager tells you you do. Why would you believe the hotel manager? And for that matter, why are you arresting people for going out to get pizza? Just ignore them or just bring them back to their hotel. It's that simple. You see somebody walking around outside, you walk up and say, sir, ma'am, there is a 14 day quarantine. And when they say, well, I refuse you say, okay, come with me. And you bring them to their hotel and you leave. And then maybe they go out again, but seriously going to arrest people over pizza. Well, this is what they're doing. They're having to rearrest real criminals. The New York Post reports dozens of inmates freed from city jails over fears they were vulnerable to the coronavirus have wasted no time plaguing the city with new crimes. The Post has learned. At least 50 of the 1,500 inmates cut loose amid fears of the spread of COVID-19 behind bars in recent weeks have already landed back in jail. And in some cases, were set free yet again. Yes, like this guy. Man in Glendora arrested, released three times in one day due to emergency policy. You know what, man? This is not working, okay? None of this makes sense. You've got people all over the place. We are disorganized. We are confused. The economy is collapsing. People are going hungry. 30 million unemployed. And we're arresting and releasing people three times in one day. Just don't arrest the guy. Just let him go commit crimes, right? Is that the idea? No, you can't do that. Then maybe you stop releasing him. It's like, it, what is it? It's, it's like a paradox. It's like an endless loop. It's, a recur, it's, it's, it's recursion. It's like the policy in jails is to release inmates and then the police have to arrest criminals. So they arrest the guy, put him in, and then the policy releases him. So they arrest the guy, they put him in, and so on and so forth. And it's not going to stop. Here's what they say uh, over at the New York Post. The reoffenders, just over 3% of those released, include a Rikers Island inmate initially jailed for allegedly setting his girlfriend's door on fire and choking her mother, who was released early only to return to the Bronx apartment and allegedly threatened to kill the whole family. You know why we lock people up? Sometimes it's because they're dangerous. Many times it's because they did something that they should have been legally allowed to do, like consume a substance that they, they deem fit. I'm very libertarian on this issue. Uh, so sue me. The point I'm saying is if you're a violent criminal that tried to hurt people, yeah, we, we lock you up because we don't want you to. And we try to make you stop. In fact, there are many ways there's court orders, injunctions, restraining orders to try and stop you before you go to jail. But when you set someone's door on fire and choke someone, We've deemed at this point, you're probably going to hurt them. We'll lock you up. So what happens? He gets out because they're worried about the virus and he goes and threatens the whole family. Perhaps it was not wise to release someone who already expressed the intent to kill other people. You know what? You want to save people's lives from the coronavirus. It doesn't make sense to release people who are threatening death on others, does it? You'll end up taking more lives. Another prisoner who was accused of assaulting a Department of Homeless Services officer and was later set free, was arrested for punching an agency sergeant just two days after his release. Yet another who was serving a 60-day sentence for theft was charged with burglarizing Queen's Sing Farm grocery store to the tune of more than $9,000 three weeks after his release. It is so obvious. Oh, good job, boys. Glad to hear that you arrested those naughty Californians who wanted to get their slice of pizza. Good job. And then thank you for releasing the violent criminals and burglars who went to commit more crimes as soon as they got out. Now, look, most of the people who got released didn't commit crimes, but it does seem silly that we're releasing all these people. There's an an interesting conundrum, right? If only 50 people reoffended and got arrested and 1,450 didn't, do we really want to risk the lives or the health of all of those inmates because some of them will reoffend? Actually, I think here's the problem. You let them out. 
you should be like, who's responsible for them committing the crimes? I guess, I guess they are right. The individual, but come on, you, you had custody of these people. You knew they were criminals. We all agree that when someone commits a crime, they get put away or, or, you know, fined or something, but get punished. And the people who get put away are put away for a reason. I don't agree with all of it. I think there's, you know, innocent people get end up in jail often. But if you decide to release them against the wishes of what we expect and they commit a crime, don't you bear some responsibility for the crimes they commit? In the end, we end up kind of filtering back the really bad criminals and they put themselves in a really bad position. So I'll put it this way, man. If you were worried about getting sick in jail and then we release you and, you, and then you go commit a crime and get arrested again, well, now you can't worry about anything because you, you chose this. You chose to go and commit the crime. And the 1,450 people who didn't commit crimes don't want to go back to jail. Well, good on them, I guess. I'll tell you what, I'm no fan of how our criminal justice system works. I don't think jails and prisons work, or at least not properly. They often harden people. And the jail sentences are way too long for many offenses. Like you could go to jail longer for, for logging onto someone's computer if you don't own it than you could for like harming a child, if you know what I mean. A lot, a lot of this doesn't make sense. A lot of the laws are backwards. And if we really want to stop people from committing crimes, this isn't the way to do it. If someone's a violent offender, right, you lock them up because you don't want them to hurt somebody. And that, I don't know how long it takes. If someone was, you know, uh, consuming an illicit substance or something, it doesn't make sense to have these exorbitant and really long uh, uh, jail sentences, in my opinion. They need rehab. Now, if they're dealing, that's a different story. Ultimately, I, I just think we have kind of a system that seeks to, to, to punish instead of rehabilitate. And we need to rehabilitate. Otherwise, you'll just end up with re- recidivism. People get out, they're angry and desperate, and they commit crimes. I mean, you ever see the movie Ant-Man with uh, uh, Paul Rudd? Movie's great, by the way. The dude goes to jail for some, like, you know, uh, corporate civil disobedience. And then when he gets out, he's a felon now, so he can't get a job anywhere. So he resorts to crime again. How do we avoid this? We need real rehabilitation programs. And what we're doing right now, it ain't working. But I'll tell you what, I'll wrap it up. What they're doing right now, releasing all these criminals and arresting uh, people for getting pizza also is not working. So I have no idea what's going to happen, but we'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out. Next segment will be coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. And I will see you all then.